Hey everyone, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com, back with you for a special part two on a podcast episode about presenting the plan of salvation with others. So this is a episode that's geared specifically towards Christians who are interested in, in sharing the gospel and techniques for evangelism. But it shouldn't be something that scares you away if you're not a Christian and, and you're simply here interested in learning more about who Jesus is and what he's done. This can be a great opportunity for you to see how to become a Christian. So I'd like for you to please uh, join Brother Randy and I as we continue this discussion based on some tried and true methods that he has developed over several years on the front line of evangelism and sharing them with Christians so that they can teach others the good news about Jesus and how to be saved. So I'm back with Brother Randy Ballard. And he is helping us understand uh, different presentations that we can do use to present the gospel effectively to our family, to our friends who are not Christians. So I'll say the same thing that I did last time. Uh, this is an episode that is primarily geared towards Christians who are interested in, in learning evangelism techniques. However, if you're not a Christian, I, obviously there is valuable information for you in this message. And we hope that you'll please consider... Uh, the scriptures on how to become a Christian and that you would obey the gospel. But for our brothers and sisters who are listening and, and perhaps they uh, feel like they're that one talent person or perhaps they just feel like they're uh, are, they're going to mess up or they're going to say something wrong or people might make fun of them and they've been holding on to the gospel and keeping it away from those that they love for a while. But suddenly now they're motivated. They're ready to go. They just don't have the tools or they don't feel like they're properly equipped. Uh, I've invited you on to help equip us, equip us to share the gospel um, with those that we love. So in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3, the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? And we, we looked at a plan that's God-ordained that started with the Lord Jesus giving instruction to believe to repent of our sins, to confess, and to be baptized. and But this was also confirmed by the apostles, so it's uh, one that's very consistent throughout the New Testament. But this is not the only type of presentation that you can make. Perhaps there's uh, maybe not a, as much time to go through it, or maybe there's just a, a different approach that would work. And so we're now looking at the other side of the card. Right, and, and I've got actually two different methods here, and, and I might just say this. The, the other one to me uh, that we talked about last week is very compelling. I like to let people read the scriptures for themselves and come to their own conclusions. Uh, it means so much more that way. My opinion means nothing. What I tell someone has no value, no weight whatsoever. It's what God tells someone. Right. And so I like to just simply kind of direct them through the scriptures and let them come to those conclusions themselves. Um, the things on the back side of the card are a little shorter. They don't contain what I would call the full plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. These are more like uh, quickie ways to do it or mm -hmm. ways to um, handle some objections that people might have. You know, we mentioned last week that almost everybody says, well, sure, you have to believe. You can't be saved without believing in God and mm -hmm. believing in Christ. And, and as you go a little further into it, repentance, yeah, yeah, that's a requirement. Confess, yeah, you should be able to confess. We get to baptism, and for some people, that's a sticking point because they've been taught 
by their particular religious faith that baptism is not necessary. Oh, it's something good. You probably should do it when you can, but it doesn't have anything to do with salvation. There are actually uh, writings from some denominational preachers that specifically say baptism does not save us. It has nothing to do with salvation. That's not what the Bible says. Right. So the other side of the card kind of handles some of those objections, or it would be a shorter way of presenting it. In fact, I would just comment as well that it seems like those writers are saying the exact opposite of what First Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says about how baptism doth also now save us. That It is a positive scripture for the saving power of baptism. Yeah. Help me uh, understand this side of the card. I think we're going to start on the bottom side and the bottom three instead of the top. Um, so I'm seeing there there's concepts of body and church etc. How am I going to connect Jesus and the body and the church into uh, this short presentation to to show others gospel? Yeah, this will be pretty simple, although it does require a little bit more input than maybe the ones uh, from last week where anybody could read that, anybody would come to the same conclusion. Here we may have to help people make some of those connections. Okay. Uh, But the first passage is Ephesians 5.23. Now notice what it says. The husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, And he is the Savior of the body. So point number one is that Jesus is the Savior of the body. See, the scriptures are so simple and so clear. It takes a preacher to mess it up sometimes. (laughs) And so if people can read it for themselves, I don't know how many times somebody has said to me, this is so simple. Why didn't anybody ever show this to me before? So you can be that person. You can be the one that shows someone how to be saved in such a clear and obvious way. Well, who could make a mistake here? Jesus is the Savior of the body. Now, we go to the first chapter of that same letter, Ephesians mm-hmm. 1, 22 through 23, and it says that God has put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Mm. So he's the Savior of the body, and the body is the church. Add two and two together, or one and one, however you want to say it. Jesus is the Savior of the church got to be in the church to be saved so the question becomes how does a person get in the body how does a person get in the church see different denominations give different answers to that question too some people uh, you have to present some evidence they vote on you Uh, they decide who gets to be in their church and who doesn't Mm -hmm. how does a person get into the body of christ how does a person get into the church of christ well let's look at first corinthians 12 and 13 that's the first scripture uh, on the card. Okay. There's actually three answers to the, well, there's one answer to the question, three scriptures that presented. Okay. Sure. So first Corinthians 12, 13 says for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, mm. whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. But the point is we're baptized into one body. Jesus right. is the savior of the body. How do we get into the body? The well, scripture says very plainly, we're baptized into baptized the body. into one body. That's right. All right. Look at Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How do we get into the body of Christ? Through baptism. Can a person be saved outside of Christ? No. How does a person get into Christ? It says right here, we are baptized into Christ. And the same thing is said in Romans 6 and 3. Uh, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So a person gets into the body of Christ through baptism. A person gets into the church through baptism. Jesus saves the body. Jesus saves the church. Therefore, baptism is essential for salvation. So unlike the other side, 
kind of like you mentioned, uh, where there are several points in scriptures to get through before the conclusion. Uh, we've gone through this one in just a few minutes, but there's a very powerful conclusion. You know, I, I'm, I was thinking of that question that you're naturally drawn to of uh, if Jesus is the Savior of the body and if the church is the body, well, then how do I get in? And the scriptures have clearly shown that it's baptism that puts us into that body. But I, and, and I assume others as well, uh, even though we might share those scriptures with somebody, they're, they're, they might have an objection to baptism just based on what they've been brought up with. It's almost ingrained in some that it's a work. Yeah. And uh, we, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And so could you give a word of encouragement to our brothers and sisters out there who are going to present this, perhaps, and then be met with that, even though these scriptures have said uh, we're baptized into the body, that it's that baptism that puts us there, and the immediate response is, but no, 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 baptism is a work, and we're not saved that way. Yeah, actually, the, the other thing we're going to look at on this card is a pretty strong refutation of that. But before we get to that, let me just give you a couple of thoughts off the top of my head. Um, for some reason, people get hung up on saying that we're saved by grace, we're not saved by baptism. Okay, they act like there's only one thing involved in our salvation. And so sometimes I will ask, are we saved by the blood of Christ? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are we saved by faith? Yes. When right. I wait a minute, I thought you said we were saved by grace. So, so all of these things work together. Now, Titus 2 and 11 says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What does it do? Teaching us right. that denying ungodliness right. and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the grace of God doesn't just save us without us doing anything. It teaches us what to do and how to live. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Mm-hmm. We don't deserve God telling us how to be saved. We're the ones that messed up. We're the ones that sinned. We offended His righteousness. He doesn't owe us anything. But by His grace, He has made a way. He sent His Son to die for us. He gave us His Word to tell us what to do. How arrogant is it for someone to say, yeah, but I'm not going to do what He says because I'm just going to make Him save me by His grace. Mm. We're rejecting the very knowledge that he has chosen to give us when we take that position. It seems like baptism is just as gracious or just as uh, as much of a free gift as any other part of the plan that God has ordained, whether it's belief, repentance, confession. Baptism is it's just as much as a gift as anything because God's revealed that that's the way. Well, sure. And when you think about it, what, what do you do? How is baptism a work? You stand perfectly still while someone else, <laughs> and, and listen, I've baptized enough people. I can tell you I worked a lot harder than they did. <laughs> you, you put somebody in the water and you bring them back up. They're simply submitting, and, and that's what baptism is. It is a submission uh, physically and spiritually to the will of God. That's good. Let's use that to jump into the last one. Since we are now appreciating baptism maybe a little bit more than we have in the past, uh, how is these the the top set of scriptures on this page? How is this going to help me share the gospel with somebody? You know, I tell people sometimes this is the fastest way to share the gospel. There are three passages. Now, I have four of them on the card. You could skip one of them, and it would be just as effective. You can read these three passages of scripture, or you can have another person read them to you and put them together in the in the most obvious way, mm-hmm. and come up with the absolute undeniable truth that right. baptism is the step that puts us into Christ and forgives us of our sins and ultimately saves us. So how about if I ask you, let's do this as we would if I were having a Bible study with someone. So Jonathan, 
I'm going to ask you if you would read the passage from 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. Okay. Well, the Bible says there, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, I'm going to come back and make some comments on that in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and read the other scripture. It's very short. First okay. Peter 4 and 17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Mm. Now, that first passage, the one you read, talks about when Jesus comes back. Right. And it uses some just terrifying language. It talks about he'll be coming in flaming fire, taking uh -huh. vengeance. You know, uh, we don't want somebody to take vengeance on us, but you sure don't want the Lord That's to right. take vengeance on you. And he says that there's a group of people who will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. I can't think of a more sad, lonely, scary place to be than away from the Lord. Right. for all eternity with no hope of that situation ever changing. So who are these people that Jesus is going to come and take vengeance on them and they're going to be punished and it's going to be everlasting and there's going to be flaming fire, uh, terrifying words. Who is it that will receive this kind of justice? Well, he says in verse 8, it's those who do not obey the gospel. Mm. So even if we don't know anything else, can we agree that it's important to obey the gospel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to obey the gospel. You want to obey uh -huh. the gospel. So then that leads us to the question, well, what is it? What's the gospel of Christ? Isn't that what you want to know next? Yeah. All right, so let's go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. This doesn't answer the question, but it just tells us once more, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So Paul recognized that the, the gospel is valuable. It's, it's necessary. That's the thing that saves us. So now then, we want to answer the question. Yeah, I was just going to comment that in the verses you've read, I have both uh, been given a sense of urgency if I don't obey it, mm -hmm. but then I've also received a very uh, comforting scripture that this, whatever it is, is the power of God unto salvation. So now there's kind of a, a longing or a craving for what this gospel is. And so naturally, if I am in that scenario where I'm the person, I'm hoping that I'm asking in my heart, well, what is the gospel? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm hoping they'll ask. And if they don't ask it, I'll say, don't you want to know what the gospel <laughs> is? Kind of lead them along. Sure. We need to know what it is. Well, we don't have to guess. See, that's the great thing about the scriptures. They're clear, they're plain, they're easy to understand. Mm -hmm. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 is where the answer is. And I'll ask you again, Jonathan, if sure. you would read uh, that passage. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Okay, now this isn't hard, but, but you do need to be able to make a little bit of a connection here. Okay. Notice in verse 1, Paul said, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. Paul has already preached the gospel to them. 
Right. And then he says in verse three, for I delivered to you. So he's saying, this is what it was that I told you. Uh-huh. So, so we're about to learn what the gospel is, right? He's going to describe for us what the gospel is. And he says, this is it, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So the gospel is the fact that Jesus died, he was buried, and he was resurrected all of which was in accordance with prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. Now, that makes a lot of sense about what the gospel is, but how do I obey that? If it's, uh, you know, if Jesus died and was buried and resurrected, how do I obey his death, burial, and resurrection? Seems like he's already yeah, done uh, that, so what do I have to do? Then? That's a great question. Remember that anybody who doesn't obey the gospel will receive this terrible punishment. Right. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So that's an obvious question. How can I obey something that someone else did? Uh-huh. The answer to that, I believe, is the, the next passage. It's the last last scripture on the card. Okay. Romans 6, verses 3 through 4. So why don't you read that and we'll talk about it. Okay. Romans 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Yeah, so this is very clear that just, I mean, he even says it for us. We don't have to make this point to <laughs> right. the people. If somebody reads this passage and I know that I have to obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This says that I die with him and I'm buried in baptism and then I rise up from that water to walk in newness of life. And I will ask the person then, do you know of any other way that you can obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Mm. other than and besides obedience to God in baptism? That's compelling. It is. It's, It's a strong argument and it's one that, you know, we don't have to use logic and reason and make up stuff on our own. God gives us the tools. It's right there. And you can have this little card with you uh, so that if you don't have a very good memory or you feel very nervous in the moment, you can have the scriptures just right at your fingertips to share with you as you're uh, looking at the Bible with a friend instead of trying to memorize it and then losing it in the moment. Yeah, and, and that's the whole reason for this. It's just a tool. There are other ways to present the gospel. Of and, if, and if someone feels... Uh, you know, more comfortable doing it a different way, by all means, go ahead and do that. These are three ways that I personally have used. And so I just wanted to share that with folks. Now, I would like to say this. Anybody that is open-minded and honest-hearted who goes through these passages with you, they're going to come to the conclusion that baptism is essential. That's the only way to be saved. That's the only way to obey the gospel. Right. You know, salesmen know that you have to be able to close the sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not enough just to say, I have a great product and it'll do all these things for you and it's, it's worth the money. You, you got to ask the people to, to buy your product. And I think the same thing is true of us with the gospel. Sometimes people can come to the right conclusion, but they don't know what to say or what to do. And they need us to ask them, are you ready to be baptized? Um, and so I'll caution somebody. If, if I can see that they're thinking about it, but they don't know what to do or what to say, I'll let them know, um, you know, there's a sense of urgency to baptism, right? Baptism is what saves us. We've seen that clearly in, in all of these passages of scripture. If I went to the doctor and the doctor told me that I had a terminal illness and I was going to die, 
But the good news was he had something that could cure me. He had a, a, a way of escape, mm-hmm. and uh, he gave me a bottle of pills. I would be so happy with that. And, and I could believe in that doctor. I could believe in his pills. Wouldn't it be insane for me to go home and put those pills up on the shelf and say, you know what, one of these days I'm going to take those pills. <laughs> yeah. And I will use that exact illustration with people sometimes. There's an urgency here. Uh, this is a matter of literally of life and death, not just physical life and death, but spiritual life and death. This is not something you want to put off or postpone indefinitely. However, this is the most significant and important decision you will ever make in your life. Uh, Jesus encouraged people to count the cost. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell people that too. Uh, this is important. I don't want you to put it off. I'm not suggesting you put it off, but I want you to think seriously about what you're doing because it's not a one-time thing that you do and then forget about that. You're now committing to changing your life and giving your heart to the Lord. Well, I am very thankful for this conversation. It's been phenomenal. And I hope that others feel the same way. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to say uh, in closing? Or do you feel like we've covered it sufficiently? Oh, uh, well. (laughs) There's always one more thing to say. (laughs) Uh, You know, whether it's been covered sufficiently, I wouldn't uh, venture a guess. But I do have an additional thing to say. You know, I I go to some of the big meetings in our brotherhood, and I listen to people talk. And I've, I've heard people sometimes in recent years talk about, uh, the church is dying or it's getting smaller and things. You know, I don't see that. Uh, mm-hmm. The congregation that I'm a part of, the work that I'm involved in in foreign countries, uh, the places that I visit, I see uh, the church thriving and growing. Right. Uh, but I think if it's, if it's not growing, it may be due to our lack of effort. And um, I think about the fact that the Apostle Paul would sometimes pray and ask other people to pray that doors of opportunity would be open for him. Maybe we're not doing that. Maybe we're not asking the Lord for opportunities. But I'm telling you, if we ask for them, we'll be given them and we need to be ready. So my encouragement to people would be whether you use one of these three methods that you and I have talked about, uh, whether you come up with something on your own, whether you talk to another preacher that you know and uh, he shares with you some other way to do it, Whatever it is, learn to do it. Develop a little bit of confidence, but hey, you can't really get good at it until you try it, and that means the first few times you may mess up and not do it very well. Mm. Um, Give it a try. Learn to do it, and then ask God for opportunities, and I promise you they'll be coming. So pray for open doors in our life. Well, thank you, brother, very much for coming on, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you this fall for a gospel meeting up at our congregation. And until then, I wish you all the best down here, and may the Lord bless you with open doors. Thank you. I appreciate that. You as well. I'd like to say thanks to Randy for coming on the show and sharing a few different ways that we can present the plan of salvation to those who need to hear it. Like he said, there's so many different methods and strategies for it, but if you're at a point in your life where you want to share the gospel, but maybe you're not sure where to begin, this is a great way to start. I encourage you to go to the website pureandsimplebible.com and find this episode of the podcast. And there I'm going to have Randy's card that we used uh, throughout this conversation. And I'll have it listed there both as a PDF that you can download, but also as a JPEG or a PNG you can look at online. And you can see how this card would be helpful for you to share scriptures with others and uh, doing so in a way that helps them come to the conclusion that the gospel is trying to get us to reach. 
You can find these and a bunch of other resources at www.pureandsimplebible.com. There's videos, there's several other episodes of the podcast, and the bread and butter of the website is a bunch of workbook series where, whether it be about redemption or about the Bible or coming soon, one on the church, these workbooks and their counterparts such as the mail courses and the online study quizzes, all this stuff, it's designed to, to put the gospel into your hands so that you can use it to share with your friends. Or if you're looking for answers to who Jesus is and what he has done, uh, it's designed to put that information in your hands in a pure and simple way as well. Once you go look at it, you can find everything there, and it's all free to download. It's for yours to use. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.